This is John Rabe from Wet Tropics, and this is As the Story Grows. Welcome to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton. This week, Wet Tropics frontman John Reb joins the podcast. You might also know John from a little band called Boys Life, as well as The Farewell Bend. A huge shout out to Rob Froze from Friends Club Records for making this interview happen. This is one of my favorite interviews of 2021, and that's saying something because I've had some amazing conversations this year. John talks about witnessing the effects of COVID in his neighborhood having to reconstruct album artwork for reissues, Boys Life's Dialer, and all things Wet Tropics. John was also kind enough to indulge me in a conversation about emo. Thanks, John. Wet Tropics' debut record, Everybody Get In, is getting the vinyl treatment from Friends Club, and you can pre-order that record now. Cassettes are sold out, but you can snag a digital copy on Bandcamp right now. This is a super fun chat, so enjoy it and then share it with your friends. And without further ado, here's John Rabe from Wet Tropics. How you been? I'm well, and how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How have you uh, survived the last year and a half of COVID and all the ev- everything? <laughs> well, you know, just like everybody else, um, COVID has completely changed the dynamics of everything mm-hmm. from economics to the job market to the music industry to you name it. I, I I think COVID has touched everybody in some capacity, whether or not you lost a loved one or someone you know, or um, it 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 touches you in, in the strangest ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, I live across the street from a food pantry, hmm. and um, it's been there for many years. And when I first, when they first opened, I was already here when they they opened, but um, you would never, ever see anybody in front of it. You'd never see anybody waiting in line. And especially over COVID, the lines got incredibly long and they're still long. You used to never see anybody in front of, front of the food pantry at all. But now you see people in front of it three days a week. Wow. People of all ages, of all genders, all backgrounds. So 
it's 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 been it's been really revealing to see how society has coped with um covid yeah yeah None, none of us were really i guess some people were aware of how fragile the whole system was and when it collapsed and people like so many people just got fucked over in all of the lockdowns and mm -hmm. yeah, everything it, yeah it was crazy and, and being a musician like the music industry just went away not went away but like bands livelihoods you can't tour like what do you do right like well yeah i mean i mean fortunately my livelihood is not based on yeah during <laughs> I, I feel for a lot of friends and acquaintances who um are in that position and I understand that you know many times these people have have families to feed mm -hmm. and it's it's not just about you know playing the big rock show yeah and um but yeah it's it's it was incredibly difficult um i lost my um i was laid off mm. shortly before um covid took hold of the world and i was in the process of trying to find a new job oh man and i you know i started getting emails from employers saying we're not filling this position. We're not yeah. sorry at this, at this time. We're not filling this position. So I, I went back to school. Oh man. <laughs> nice. I went back to school and I'm getting my master's in uh, oh. education. Oh, wow. So, um, I come from pretty, um, wonky academic background. Um, so, um, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was actually pretty beneficial for me because um, of the lockdown and the fact that um, all school became like Zoom oriented. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter what time of day I took the course or whatever. I was like, I was like, this this isn't happening. I'm I don't have a job. <laughs> i don't <laughs> all i have to do now is is like occasionally play music if i can um jump into a zoom session <laughs> buy a bunch of books and get into a bunch of debt <laughs> so, you know and get my master's degree so perfect um, yeah so that's what's going on and right now i am currently student teaching at an urban high school in Chicago. And um, some days are absolutely completely amazing. And then there's other days when you're just like, oh my God, what am I doing? So, that's kind of what's been going on in my camp yeah. since, uh, since things started uh, going nuts. But, yeah. but um, you know, there's also been a lot of really good stuff too. Um, so Wet Tropics, we put out our, our cassette on uh, Friends Club. And then in the, uh, the, the hot summer, we got a chance to, when things were kind of simmering down, we got a chance to make a video and we did all that stuff. And I got, I got connected with Sweet Cheetah PR and I hooked them up with Rob 
at uh, FCR and all this stuff in it. You know, there's just like a lot of good, a lot of really great stuff yeah. happened for me through through COVID that that I was I was quite presently presently surprised that it actually happened. Um, uh, the Farewell Band put out a uh, reissue on Spartan Records for um, uh, for in passing, yeah. and um, I I did I did all the artwork and everything to get it rebuilt because that that record um, uh, the lead singer uh, uh, Jason Farrell from Blue Tip had. It was one of those weird moment moments when Blue Tip was touring a lot at the time, yeah. and they he lost he lost the uh, the artwork. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> he lost all the artwork for that record. So um, I literally, in I think it was it was around April during COVID, <laughs> um, I somehow I somehow uh, I, I jumped on the web in and got connected with a group here in Chicago, uh, a philanthropic group that has um, a bunch of grant money from like Kodak and all this kind of stuff. And they have this, they have this huge lab um, downtown in this loft where they have drum scanners and 1200 DPI scanners and all this stuff. And I was like, I was like, Hey, how do I, how do I, how do I come down here and use all this stuff? And it's like, okay, well, tell us about your project. And I was, and they're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, yeah, we're totally interested in helping you out. And it's like, you can do as many scans and do all this stuff. All you have to do, your visit is $50. Just come in. And so I spent the day there. I spent the day there with one guy, one guy. And he's like, okay, so here's how the drummer, you know, the scanners work. I was like, yeah, I got all this stuff. And, because I I was yeah. I, I was in publishing for okay. uh, for twenty years and oh. um, so so uh, desktop publishing Photoshop and Illustrator and all that stuff I used for eons and eons and so I was like yeah 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 I got it blah, 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 you know and it was <laughs> like it was actually it it was really fun it was a really great experience and but the thing is. Um, I had a hard time finding all the images for that record. Oh yeah. <laughs> and um, so I, I reached out to a friend in Lawrence, Kansas, a good friend of mine. And I was like, Aaron, I know you have a copy of the LP cause I needed the biggest photos I yeah. could. I needed, I needed everything yeah. because originally, originally it only came out on CD and slow dime decided they wanted to put it out on, on LP. So all they did was they sent it to, uh, the, uh, the vinyl plant and they just blew it up. Oh man. So it was like, you know, Iranian. Uh, yeah. But the thing was, the thing was at the time I didn't, I didn't really know how Jason put it all together. <laughs> so me and him are like emailing and messaging each other. He's like, yeah, I think I did this. And I think it did that. And here's the thing is like back then in the nineties, desktop publishing was like really brand new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what he did, so, so, so I had to like to do 
letting on on letters and kerning and all this kind of stuff you know gaps in between yeah. you know letters and all this kind of stuff he he literally like outlined them and then made them a solid object and then he he would space them out by by it's like lines by 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 sight oh man it was really insane Wild. so when i first started when i first started working on it i'm on the super powerful mac and i'm just letting adobe uh illustrator and photoshop just do all the work and do <laughs> all the letting and everything and it was very very mechanical so i literally had to break up everything and space everything you know i had a i had a uh um i had a uh a background image that I would work off of for of the original image so I could reset up the layout and everything. And I literally had to take every single letter and like kern everything to get it to get it just right exactly the way it was and stuff. Because oh, Spartan had asked Spartan had asked me, he's like, if you can get as close to the original, it's like, do it, do it, John. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, okay, John. I was like, I, I, I will do my best. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I ended up doing another uh, record of band called Heavy Seas. Um, my friend Jeff Dean, who um, does a lot of recording for Wet Tropics and stuff, um, he, that's one of his bands. And mm -hmm. so that was a lot of fun. And, and you know, I did a Boys Life uh, cassette to a, um, some, uh, a live recording from Washington DC. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah, a friend a friend of ours. So I'll tell you the backstory behind that one. That was that was really interesting. So so my friend, uh oh super old friend of ours named Christopher Pre Christopher Preston, uh he came he came forward and he's like, hey, I don't know. He sent me an email back in 2015 when he found out what was going on. We're doing some live shows and stuff. And He's like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, so and so. He's like, he's like, it's like, yeah. I was want to know if you guys would be interested if, if like, I tagged along and recorded every single one of the shows. And I was like, well, yeah, okay. So, so what do we need to pay you? <laughs> I was like, what do we owe you? Bro? He's like, he's like, no, you don't owe me anything, man. He's like, he's like, this is a bro deal, man. I just want to go and hang out and and just like have fun. I'm like. Okay, well, let me talk to the guys. So I talked to the guys. They're like, uh, "Heck yeah, let's do it!" You know, <laughs> and, and he's like, he's like, he's like, okay. So so, and he eventually he, we he spent a lot of time just you know analyzing them. He did some mixing of them, trying to trying to kind of get them like in a good good space for yeah. me to look to them and, you know it took him a couple of years because you know he he has a job and he's got a family and yeah. all stuff and just like everybody else we you know we have lives right <laughs> and um so he he sent them to me and you know i sat on them for a long time you know then when covid hit i wasn't it, it, at first before school started i wasn't really doing much i yeah. mean i didn't have a job i was and I was, I was on, I was on, um, I was on the dole, <laughs> if you want to call it that. But, um, but, you know, so I was on unemployment insurance and didn't, you know, it, we, we, you know, we couldn't play as a band. Everything's, you know, everything's completely shut down. It's like, you know what? This sounds, 
really stupid, but I, I think I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to take the best, the best recording and just put it on tape, just (laughs) DIY balls to the wall. No big deal. If somebody, you know, I, I don't did, did did you get it from Rob? I got it from Rob. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, it got down to like around ten tapes. I I got so inundated, like around Christmas last year, yeah. like December of last year. I was just like, I I couldn't keep up. And then there's a bunch of people like, hey, John, I didn't get. You know, they sent me email. Like, hey, <laughs> I didn't get my copy yet. You know, and I was like, ah, damn it! I knew I was forgets because I didn't want it. I didn't want it to be. I didn't want it to be like like a big deal yeah i just i was just gonna i just wanted to put on facebook you know put a link out there send it you know send the people say hey here's my email address if you want a copy i've i made a hundred of them and my friends at worry records helped me out and get you know to do a little bit of the duplication and stuff like that yeah i did all the artwork and everything and the way the way i mastered i i didn't i didn't i didn't break it out I didn't break it out song by song because mm-hmm. when I, when I was listening to it with, with, uh, Brandon, Brandon is, Brandon's a really super funny guy. Yeah. One of my best mates forever. We've known each other since, since high school. And he's just funny. He has, a, he has, a, he has a really great way of telling stories. Mm-hmm. And many times they're, they're, they become they become kind of like fish tales and like tall stories. Yeah. They, get they get better as he tells them, but they're still they're still true. Yeah, but but the embellishments get better and better and better. Yeah. So so I was listening to it. I was I was like, you know what, marijuana White House. The okay. the, the stage banner is so great. <laughs> I was like, this is gonna die. Well, you know, and the thing is too, um, Brandon and. And Joe lived for many years in DC. They mm-hmm. did a band called Canyon together. And um, so, so between Kansas City and Washington, DC, that had Brandon Brandon had probably lived more, had lived longer in DC than he had lived in Kansas City. <laughs> so at that point, I mean, that was literally his home. And him and his wife. And, and kids moved to Louisville oh. um, probably about a year and a half or so before the tour. So it was kind of like a big kind of like homecoming for, for him. Um, Joe still lives there. Oh, um, uh, so, so it was, yeah. So, so, I mean, it was kind of like, Oh yeah, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like, it was, so it was, it was really interesting. It was, um, it was really great. It was it was really great playing the Black Cat. I haven't I hadn't been back there in many many years. Uh, the last time I played there, um, it was the old Black Cat. So yeah. Black Cat's been in many has been in many locations. I think it's a third iteration now. I think they just closed yeah. their big space because. Yeah, that was necessity. the upstairs. Yeah. No, 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 they closed the downstairs and they only kept the upstairs. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but the old venue was just a few doors down. Yeah. Yeah. The old one. So, yeah. uh, and Jason Farrell did the sign, uh, did the black hat sign. Um, so, 
yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was really kind of interesting. So it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was nice being back there. It, um, that street had changed a lot since the last time <laughs> I'd been there. Last, last time I was there, like Brandon's like, John, man, it's like, remember, remember you used to, that, used to be that old auto park place across the street. Remember that? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, there's a pie shop over there. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I kind of remember. <laughs> it's a little foggy, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was. I mean, that street used to be really dark and really. Oh, yeah. like, eh. All of it. But now, it, now it's just like this bustling part of town. It's oh, yeah. Crazy. Most, most of the city swanky. So I, I grew up in D.C. Oh, okay. Moved right. to Philly for seven years. I just moved back uh, in May. Yeah, we spent most of our time in Silver Spring. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, an old Chevy Chase yeah. area over there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's 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 aside uh, from the northwest side. I mean, that's that's yeah, it's in being downtown. So, was kind of that was kind of the whole boys life thing it was uh it's pretty crazy how it how it all came together so quickly and and then yeah you know it's hard it's hard being uh it's hard being an adult and being <laughs> thousands of miles away from the people people you know or hundreds of miles away it's uh it's yeah it's difficult we you mentioned the uh farewell bend uh spartan repressing How'd that come about? How'd you get connected with John and Spartan? Well, it's really interesting. Um, so it, it came through Giants Chair because Paul Ackerman from Giants Chair uh, was in um, the Farewell Bend. Mm-hmm. And um, we had been, we had been, I, I had been reaching out to, to a lot of labels um, about doing a repress of it for a long time because not only was it out of print, but it wasn't, in uh any streaming services or oh, anything. Wow. and um so it was it was one of those kind of things where it was like you know this this really needs to be out there in the world it mm. and it you know and it was it's really interesting the how it all came about was kind of exactly how it all came about with slow down it just yeah. kind of like it just kind of like materialized it's just yeah. like, kind of like snowballed and materialized um and it was it was it was interesting both both people that worked at the record label slow diamond and and spartan or john named john so yeah that that made it it only makes it even interesting but um but uh giant's chair you know got back together and made a made a uh uh incredible record yeah it's phenomenal yeah and um they were just going to put it out themselves you know they had a uh they had a whole um, 
you know, a fund, a, you know, go fund me and all that kind of stuff. And they, um, John, John picked up the record. John awesome. picked up the record and um, I was like, oh, no way. It's like Spartan picked up the record. I was like, that's awesome, you know? And, and we had been kicking around for quite a while. And, and then one day, one day Paul's like, hey, John wants to do the record, wants to do reissue. And I was like, wow, it's awesome. So, you know, so we just all just started connecting, talking on Facebook Messenger and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, all the, all the channels that everybody uses these days because, you know, no one talks on a phone anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, which is really kind of interesting because, you know, um, uh, you know, back in the day, if, if we want to do any kind of correspondence with slow dime back then, <laughs> very few of us had emails. And if it was, it was probably hotmail. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 you know, sometimes it would be like a week before we would know what's going on with, okay, so, you know, okay, so the record's done, you know, we get on our dialer. Do you know what a dialer <laughs> no. you know is? Okay. So, all right. So it's, it's one of the original like hacked, like hackable digital devices oh, yeah. in the world. Okay. So, so, um, we have, you know, you had, you had the old pay phones. Mm -hmm. All right. Are you familiar with the old pay phones? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so if you ever put, if you ever put your hand up to, if you, if, if you put the, uh, the receiver up to your ear and you put in your quarter, you'd hear a little, do you ever, do you know what that is? Yeah. 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 That, that sound. Yeah. Okay. Well, Radio Shack used to make this thing called a dialer. It was it would it had a little bit of memory in it. I mean, next to nothing, but it probably had more than the space shuttle at the time. Yeah. But um, it it was a little pocket dialer that you can you can type in a bunch of phone numbers, and I think you could put in like five, five maybe, probably five. I mean, it was it was about. It was like, a, and it was about the size of my hand. Oh, I mean, man. it was, it, it was pretty big. Well, no, probably about the palm of my hand, about that size. And, and so what you could do is you, you could type in, type in your, a bunch of numbers. And then when you went to dial it, you can put the device up to the, uh, up to the mouthpiece where you would speak and um, hit the button and it would dial the phone for you. Okay. You wouldn't have to remember. It, okay. So very classy back in the nineties. I mean, it's, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, straight up, this is high tech, right? And um, the hackers, the hackers of the world. This is this is probably one of the original hacks, and it's it. This this will be a a good a good piece for archiving. <laughs> electronic hacking and computer hacking um because you know we all know about war games and we all know about uh ferris bueller you know stealing the password from from the computer and changes grades and all that kind of easy stuff like that but but it was so what you had to do was uh, all you had to do was change one of the frequency chips inside of it 
So you take one out, you, you know, you'd use, you use soldering iron, you'd open it up to soldering iron, take that one out and replace it with, with another one, the one that would make the sound. And so all you had to do was dial the number. The electronic voice would come over the, uh, over the earpiece, please deposit $1 and 70 five cents so you go one two three four five until you had a dollar 75 and it would make a long distance phone call for you well that's why so that's that's what we used everybody everybody used it everybody had one Every you know, like every band had. It's like nobody really talks about it, but it's an original hack. Yeah. And so, don't use my name in this. Use my alias <laughs> in case uh, you know I get a I get a call from the FBI or you know you owe so much uh, X amount of money <laughs> times. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going. No. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the way it was back then. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was no instantaneous um, communication. You didn't know instantaneously if you had a show booked or, yeah. you know, you would you would wait sometimes weeks, sweating, just wondering, oh man, is that person gonna call us back for that basement show? Yeah, they're probably not going to call us back because they don't want to pay for the phone call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we got to call them back ourselves. Uh, oh, they're not there? Okay, we're going to leave a message <laughs> at the beep. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, Drive to a venue, it's closed down now. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's really wild stuff. So, uh, so, so... So yeah, so with the Feral Event stuff, it kind of um, came together like that, um, just like it did back in the day. It just kind of materialized. And we worked with all the original people who worked on the record to master and remaster it and all that stuff. It was, it was really great. <laughs> stories about the whole process of recording that record oh, yeah. which I think was which just totally absolutely blew my mind um uh brand's like john do you remember that you know the the tape machine the tape machine at west end lost its calibration or something and the guy couldn't come for like 
this, this like certain guy was coming to like calibrate their tape machine. <laughs> so, so on a hot summer day, Brandon and Paul Malinowski from Shiner and um, a couple other people got together and loaded loaded the machine in the back of Brandon's truck at from the studio where we recorded it <laughs> and took the machine to West End so we could mix the record. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my god! I forgot all about that. That's wild. Like, yeah, you weren't around. You were too busy, you know, <laughs> doing whatever. And I was like, well, I'm glad I wasn't around for that. So, oh man. <laughs> so yeah, there's so, there, so there's always. I mean, there's there's always some some pretty fascinating stories of of those days and just doing doing the things you had to do just to get things done. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, some interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Before we talk about wet tropics, uh, I want to ask about boys life and the farewell band. And like, were you guys aware of this, like blooming Midwest emo scene at the time? Or was it just like, these are our friends all making music that is of a similar ilk. Now back in the nineties or now? Yeah. Nineties. Yeah. Now, now everybody. <laughs> um, no, you see, well, see, the interesting thing is, like, you know, um, Farewell Ben was 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 post emo. You know, I mean, it was it's kind of like post hardcore, post sure, yeah, kind of thing. Um, and you know, a, a lot of a lot of the songs sound the way they do for, with Farewell Ben because of Paul. Paul's Paul Ackerman's just a freaking animal. He's he's just a monster on the drums he's he hits harder than than i think anybody i i have ever played with yeah every, um say so i see you have a drum set behind you but I do. Um, yeah. do you know um do you know they used to make those like kevlar like like snare head things do they still make those yeah yeah like there's like kind of weaved kind of thing yeah, yeah. he would break those oh my god and the only reason why he would play those because he would break everything up. <laughs> he would break those. Oh man. And um so so yeah, he, he I mean, he bashes. It's what he does. He learned to play drums to Motley Crue. So, I mean, that's just how it goes. Yeah. Know? And um so but no no boys life was originally um people thought we were a punk band in in the kansas city lawrence scene yeah like um we opened up for offspring we opened up for all we opened up for just all kinds of just huge punk bands like all the time we were we were like we we're like the go-to band to you know I'm sure there's probably a lot of other people in the scene that were like, oh, I wish we could play that show. Kind of thing. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, I, yeah. Cause I feel that way a lot nowadays, <laughs> but, uh, man, we didn't get that gig, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we were, we were like the punk band. Uh, we even got booked with green day and we got kicked off because they wanted, um, 
they wanted one of their friends' bands to play with mm. them. Um, what was their name? Oh, shoot, I couldn't remember. But we were on the ticket and everything, and it was Boys Lie. It wasn't Boys Life. They, they printed our name on the uh, on the Ticketmaster ticket. Oh man, um, I had I had heard from a lot of friends that went to the show that the people were yelling and screaming, where's boys life? Like kind of stuff, which was, which is great. And yeah, made me feel really good at the time, but, but now, you know, you just, yeah, whatever. Now it's, now it's just a war story, but, um, um, yeah. So, so, you know, we, nobody really thought of us as like any kind of like anything, but like, just like a scrappy punk band, you know, that was really in the super chunk and San Diego mm-hmm. bands and um, stuff like that. But <clears throat> we, uh, we, you know, we went on tour and we, we had done, we did our first tour we did, we did eight weeks in our shitty 74 blue Ford Econoline. It was a club wagon, so it, it was actually, you know, state of the art <laughs> for being 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. But um, but it was, um, you know, for us it was the state of the art, and um, we did eight we did eight weeks, pretty much just straight up basement shows. Wow. Couple, you know, a couple of maybe maybe a club gig here and there, like in Albuquerque or like some like, you know c c market venue that was just like really happy to have like an out-of-town band play their play their venue yeah you know kind of thing and um and then the whole time we were we were doing that giant's chair was going to go out with us for another eight weeks because their record was coming out their first lp was coming out and you know they're our best mates and we uh the whole time the whole time we were going we'd we'd get back we'd get back to them you know we'd be on the dialer <laughs> be like hey hey the show was awesome the people were really great we told them that we want to book a show on such and such date so like we kind of what we did was we had we had this whole kind of thing going where mm-hmm. we we kind of tested it out yeah and got the temperatures of the water so when giant's chair could dive in we could all dive in together and have a good time so so we did another eight weeks we came home for two weeks and then we did another eight weeks with them on the west coast too and it was it was nuts it was it was really good fun probably some of the best times i've ever had my that's awesome <laughs> it was really good stuff so so but the thing was what happened was is that um we started getting this thing yeah you guys you guys one of those emo bands <laughs> and we didn't really know what it what it was and yeah. stuff you know and just like all the rest of the bands i mean just like everybody else you, you don't want to get pegged to something yeah you know and here's the thing it's like but but when i i want to I, I look back on it you I mean we were just you know indie punk kids that you know I went to high school in the eighties yeah. and listened to everything from Susie and the Banshees to, uh, ur- you know, urban, uh, urban dance squad. 
you know, I mean, we, <laughs> we listen to everything. Yeah. You know, we listen to anything that's just like got our rocks off and we were all skaters and, you know, we, you know, we're just, that's, that's what, what you did. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, we didn't really like think of ourselves as like some kind of like, like thing or like, or build ourselves up. Yeah. Yeah. It just came later. It, like this association yeah. with bands like Christy Front Drive and Mineral and yeah. that whole like and conglomeration like, where it's like they're the same, but none of those bands sound the same at all. I mean right, Mineral right. and Christy and, do a little bit, but well, you know, we we all really fed off of each other. Like that's what we did. I mean, that's because you know, when you're broke, when you're broke and you're a band on tour, you know, I, I would have been wonderful to be a record collector back in the day. Right. But every every spare penny I ever had went to either trying to buy, you know, a better guitar, a better amp, or making sure I could eat and right. had a roof over my head. So um back then, you know, you you'd feed off the bands you played with and you'd you know, you'd, you'd, uh, you know, dub, dub a tape, you know, at a friend's house while you're on tour. Oh, that new rock from the Crip record. Yeah, man. I'm, it's like, I love him. I wish I, you know, eh, can't, can't afford to buy one myself right, right now. Right. <laughs> and when will I ever get a chance to listen to it anyway? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so, you know, you, you know, you, it's like, you know, you had some, you had some old cassettes in the van and you just, you know, dub tape it. over what was there before. <laughs> you tape over it whatever or someone would give you a tape or what have you and and i mean so that yeah i mean that's kind of how that all worked back then and that 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 era you know it's it wasn't yeah. the era of spotify we're like oh yeah man i've never heard spiritualized oh okay well all right uh, you know jump jump on jump on spotify and you know hear every single record they have you yeah know, you, you you couldn't necessarily do that unless unless you knew someone that's like you know an uber fan kind of thing yeah so yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of how that that's kind of how that that went you know and and so you know feeding off of things the the next the the second boys life record was was kind of like we had bashed so hard on our guitars for so long mm-hmm. we're like what's you know, let's, let's, let, let's, let's bring it back a little bit. Let's, you know, all the stuff that we've learned these last few years of playing, why don't we, you know, why don't we, why don't we approach it from a different angle? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of how that record came about. Gotcha. Just taking what we, what we knew and just looking at it from, from a, from a different perspective. Yeah. That's kind of how that happened. <laughs> project is wet tropics how did this band start well it was interesting it actually came out of another band um 
I was, I was um, working on this project called Rare Animals with some friends of mine from California. Um, they're in a band called uh, Die Princess Die. <laughs> and um, they're like kind of like a screamo kind of band and stuff. Mm-hmm. And really great. I loved them. And um, it just, it just kind of, we, we made the record. I put out the record myself. I was called Ark. And it just, um, you know, it, it's just one of those things where life, life situations change and it just, it just wasn't really happening anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually kind of starting to write songs for, for like the next record or like where things would probably go with rare animals. And I was like, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I think I'm just going to keep a lot of this stuff in my back pocket and just like hold on to that. And so, you know, push came to shove and it just, just wasn't really happening anymore. But, um, so the drummer was like, Hey, you know, I still want to, still want to jam on some stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So, and it just kind of, I was like, I was like, well, Hey, I got a bunch of songs and, and see, we'll see the thing is I, I was playing bass in rare animals because I played, mm-hmm. you know, I play bass and, yeah. but, um, you know, I'd be, I thought about transitioning to playing guitar and singing and, and I'd actually never done, done it. <laughs> I never done it before. I was like, I was like, okay, well, this is either going to go either really well or it's going to go really bad. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just, I just kind of ran with that kind of idea and, you know, I had some kind of thoughts of like, you know, where's it going to go? That kind of thing. And then I was just like, okay. So, oh, I can actually kind of do this. And so it just began to, began to just kind of develop and develop and develop. And then, you know, new members came along and it's kind of started to just kind of pick up and pick up and, you know, um, we met Rob through um, the '90s emo board and all yeah. this kind of stuff, and and he's like, "Hey, what are you guys up to? Is you guys got anything recorded?" It's like, "Well, you know, and this was during COVID, yeah. so we had actually, we had actually, okay. So, so the thing was, we we got the record done. It was late November before COVID hit." And I was just on the assumption that we would start to like, we would get it mixed, we'd get it mastered, we begin the whole process of you know, playing shows, you know, getting something, getting something kind of going, and you know, someone put out the record. Well, it happened that way, but yeah. not exactly, not exactly the way we thought it would. You know, it came out many, many, many many months later yeah and you know it's actually interesting though know, that the 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 uh what tropics video that we did that was the first video i've ever done in my entire life that's so funny it's so <laughs> wild um i've never done one before in my entire life like the guy who recorded who, who uh uh videotaped it and everything did all the uh did all the editing and all stuff uh sean loftus he's like 
He's like, John, it's like, blah, blah, blah. He was all like, yeah, man, John's got to be a pro at this stuff. He's probably done a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, so no, every budget, every budget that Boys Life and Farewell Bandit ever had, we blew right through it. <laughs> <laughs> we never got to that point <laughs> you know and it was back you know it was crazy back then too because yeah. like if you did a video it, you know if, if any record label did a video for you you know they probably had you know they had some high-end you know pr or they had someone mm-hmm. in their back pocket they knew that you could probably get it on mtv or something yeah because where else are you going to see it back then mm-hmm. in the 90s where, where, where are you going to see a video Mm-hmm. you know i remember seeing that get up kids video on mtv and it was like oh shit the get up kids are on mtv exactly and yeah and and that's some pretty magical stuff yeah when you think about it i mean it's 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 pretty amazing stuff mm-hmm. to be able to 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 see your friends bands and like you know we did we did a lot of we did a lot of touring knapsack mm-hmm uh boys like did and we're like holy shit man <laughs> those guys are on 120 minutes they're on rotation on 120 minutes man they made it <laughs> be awesome <laughs> it was the worst tour i've ever been on my <laughs> it was it was horrible, it was horrible. <laughs> but you know what the thing is those guys are my like buddies for life now because yeah. we we all went through like trial by fire mm-hmm like every time I see them, like, like, it, it's just like, it's like we were never apart. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty, it's pretty funny to see all that. So yeah. anyway, that's on that. On that uh, yeah. That's awesome. Was it weird for you when Rob approached you and was like, Hey, can we put your album out on cassette tape? <laughs> no, not at all. Actually. Um, you were already doing the DIY thing with the boys life thing. So you, you were aware of like this cassette revival happening or yeah but but no the the thing for me the the, my my mates my mates were really like we need to get this out and i was Mm -hmm. like i was like yeah i i I agree and and for me i'm i'm one of those kind of people that if if a door opens i'm going to walk through it Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna see what happens but I have to tell you, I've, I, I am so lucky and so happy that I met Rob and the FCR crew because I have been this, I, I, I think I probably happier now in my, my musical relationships mm-hmm. and working with people with, with my babies yeah. than, than I ever have before in my life. Um, I've, I've been courted by major labels. I've been on cargo, which at the time was pretty much almost like a major label, just slightly below that. I mean, come on, think think of the bands that that Cargo's putting out. Oh, yeah. You know, Rock from the Crypt, uh, Blink One Eighty Two. Um, just, I mean when when you get to when you when you finally get to know what what their business model when we finally figured out what their business model was all about um yeah it left us a pretty it left us a pretty 
left us pretty sad. But, mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and you know, and crank records, all that stuff too. Slow Dime, Slow Dime, and, and FCR have been the only people that have really paid attention to me or cared and even really wanted to like talk to me about hmm. like what's really up yeah it's it's great love rob love love chat with him and uh love where everything's going and i can't uh i'm yeah i'm a very happy person so that's awesome I feel pretty lucky so yeah but, yeah not to get emo on you <laughs> Everybody get in is coming out on vinyl. Mm-hmm. When this podcast is out, it might be out on vinyl um, already. What, it'll, it'll, what, get done. It'll, yeah. it'll get done. Yeah. We'll, we'll make it all happen at the same time. It'll, it'll be great. <laughs> it'll be great. What's what's the future of uh, the band hold? Yeah, well, right now, um, the uh, single Rat Shredder is ready. Um and it's mastered and ready to send it off to rob i just haven't got around to it yet um i have a a good friend of mine actually uh greg franklin who did the artwork for the boys life record uh the reissue um which is a whole different story uh i'll get into that if you want to but um uh he's doing he's doing the uh, artwork for it and it's it's gonna be kind of a uh kind of a hippie trippy uh uh kind of yellow submarine kind of kind of trip trip kind of uh artwork for it and rob rob wants to do a single for it so we did there's so there's two versions of it there's um there's the radio regular that's one everyone's probably going to want to (laughs) hear and then there's then there's the messed up crazy shredder mix which is kind of like all I, i kind of like all apocalyptic with like helicopters and air raid sirens and all kinds of stuff. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's actually kind of funny and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of fun little kind of, uh, you know, I'm an eighties kid. So, um, um, if something seems outlandish, it, it, it isn't to me to like some people. Yeah. It's not to me. So (laughs) that's awesome. You, you you mentioned the boys life reissue you're talking about the departures and landfalls with top shelf yeah so um yeah my my buddy greg franklin who's doing the artwork uh for rat shredder um so that that's another record that l- all the artwork was gone and actually that artwork was actually done um and that was an that was an analog print layout so it was not done in digital form mm. And um, when Cargo 
when cargo um, folded here in the United States, um, most everything went to the trash bin. Oh man! So um, I was like, I was like, hey, Greg, I was like, would you be interested in doing doing the artwork? He's like, I would, I would love to. I was like, well, we want to do like a reimagining of it. You think you could do something completely different? You know, we're all work together on and stuff. But he's like, he's like, I got a great idea. Why don't I watercolor the the sunset in the uh, and the uh, the the barn and all that stuff? I was like, I was like, done. I was like, let's 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 move that direction with it. So nice. yeah, so so yeah, Greg, he's a, he's an amazing artist, and um, he's uh, he's doing he's doing the work on on the single so should be should be should turn out I think it's gonna turn out really great listening to As the Story Grows. Our intro music was written and composed by Jeremy Hunt. The As the Story Grows theme is by Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can join us at patreon.com slash as the story grows. Be a part of our community and join the ongoing conversation over on Discord. If you enjoy this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. I never thought so young.